the last couple of weeks, what are you laughing at, Diane? <laughs> the last couple of weeks I've been preaching to myself, um, just so you know, including today. Um, it's been a lot of stress with all these fears that hit. And some people say, well, you're a grace pastor. You shouldn't be afraid. You should have it all figured out. Why are you acting like that? Why are you feeling like that? It's like, really? I'm human. I get to go up and down with my emotions just like you. I'm no different. Just because I have a role doesn't make me different from anybody else here. We get blindsided. We get blindsided with hurts and pains and joys. What do we do with them? What do we do when God seems to mess up our plans? That's not what I had planned, God. I was supposed to go there, now I'm over there. It happens. It happens with job loss. It happens with a health crisis. A friend of mine was just diagnosed with cancer. And the individual said to me, this changes everything. You and I believe that, right? Of course it changes everything. Well, hang on. It changes everything. It changes your perspective because instantly, right, Diane? Things suddenly get boom. You're suddenly redirected and your emphasis of life completely changes, which changes, which means everything changes. Priorities change. If you have a loss in your family, everything changes. The threat of loss, perspective changes. There is something about pain and suffering that benefits us. It does. We don't avoid it. And I don't sign up for it, okay? I don't go looking for suffering and pain. We're just warned in Scripture it's going to happen. But you're not going to be alone. God's going to walk you through the pain and suffering. Welcome to this world. This world is full of pain and suffering. There's also great joy. We need to learn to look for it. But today I want to talk about what, what happens when God messes up your plans. Now, I can see a bridge to our crises as, <laughs> hmm, my plan was to, boom, you know, for Hope Fellowship, this is, this is the plan, the five-year, ten-year plan. Actually, we don't have one, <laughs> just so you know. Um, we're not that smart. Because we really can't predict the future. We can have hopes and goals. Goals are important. But when things blindside you and you didn't see it coming, it really does cause you to see things differently. It makes you question not just your own life, but your hopes and dreams for the future. Is this where I want to stay? Is this where I want to go? Is this the job I want to stay in? Like I, I've talked to enough of you in the last two years and have seen so many changes. You know, Eldon, walking through job changes, you know, getting a new job that puts him into 70, 80 hours a week, and now a different job. Like, just the changes come, and it, it forces a perspective. It forces a different dependence on God. Some people who have jobs that have been so wonderful and well-paying, and it's great, thank God for that. Those that have lost those good-paying jobs now see nothing is forever. 
nothing. Which forces us to think, hmm, who is my dependence in? What happens when God messes up our plans? Let me suggest a couple verses to get us started. In his heart, a man plans his course, and that means woman too, so don't get going on that. In his heart, we may plan our course, but the Lord determines our steps. We may have an idea, I'm going for that, yeah, that's my goal. And the Lord is the one who takes each step, and he may redirect you. That may have been your goal. We're going to show you a picture later of how God can sometimes redirect us to where he wants us, including how God can put a seed of an idea into our hearts to make us go for a certain thing, causing us to go for it, and then partway through, sharp right, because you would never have gone straight to where the other one is, but he had to get you this way to get you over here. He knows what he's doing. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail from Proverbs, a wise saying. You can plan all you want. Some quote goes something like this. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans for the future. (laughs) It's sort of funny, um, but God's not going to, he's not the kind of God who will laugh at you. It'll be a joyful, (laughs) you have much to learn, my child. (laughs) You know, and with love, he he receives your words and and your excitement of the plans you think you have. He may even have birthed those, those plans in your head. We just don't know. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is transcovenantal. Both covenants, old, new covenant, were instructed to not be afraid. And fear is a natural human emotion, one that can protect us. But when we use and live in fear for our fear for the future, and it consumes us to a place where it's unhealthy, that's not how God wired you. He's wired you to surrender it. Is there anxiety in it? Sure. Have I figured out how that works? No. I'd be rich if I did. Because I could sell it. Sell the model of how to not fear anymore at all. It also says, don't be discouraged. I've been discouraged. I've had moments of it. For me, it's a little bit different. I I try not to stay there. I I don't know how it happens. I think God just sometimes brings the right people along to, wake up, Mike, stop that. (laughs) Or to gently encourage me from being discouraged. There There are times of discouragement because sometimes you're so consumed with the problem, that's all you can see. And somebody has to pull you out of that spin cycle. The spin cycle is where some people tend to live. When they have problems, they jump in the washing machine, hit spin, and they just stay in the spin cycle and need help to get out. Sometimes just the knowledge of being in a spin cycle, oh my goodness, I didn't know I was in one, can get you out. It can halt things so you can step back and go, wait a minute, I need to stop and meditate on what is going on here. We're not good at meditating. Lately, I've been doing this thing called walking. 
No, like intense walking. Not just, of course, you've got to walk. If you can, you walk. If you can't, you can't. But for my walking, I've been able to kind of refocus and take time to think. Because normally I don't, I'm too busy. Just boom, 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 boom. Dealing with whatever's going on. Off to the next thing, the next calendar thing. Or phone call in or email. Got to respond to that. Oh, oh, new crisis. Boom, boom, boom. And one thing after another. The walking has forced me to stop and talk to my Heavenly Father. Say, God, I don't get this. I need some wisdom here. And I can't even come up with ideas. I'm trying. I'm trying. And he's telling me, stop trying. I don't need help giving you ideas. <laughs> and I'm in that place. So even though I'm competing with Rod heavily, this Fitbit challenge, you know, whoever has a Fitbit gets it, you know. By the way, Rod, how many steps have you got right now? <laughs> I'm not competitive at all. <laughs> Holy smokes! <laughs> 14163. So, I worked hard today to get that. (laughs) He's going to go. So, anyway, what it's doing, it's forcing me to think on something I'm not used to. I'm not used to going out and just walking. Lori loves walking. She walks all the time, but for as long as I've known her, she loves walking. Me, it's like, but I'm starting to like it. I'm starting to see the benefit of it. The calming down. The thinking. And sometimes I'll even wear a headset and listen to some really good teaching because I need to be fed too. I need to hear and learn. It's important. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's what I'm doing by going off on my own, walking, or having quiet prayer time, It's being reminded I am not alone. I don't do it to become closer to God because that's an impossibility. However, remember God is with us at all times, never leaves us nor forsakes us. It's an impossibility. He's the one holding us together. But there is a soul feeling that may feel like he's not near. Then we need to go for that walk or get on our knees, or have that quiet time to feel once again, not to make something happen, but to awaken to the reality of His presence already there. There is a benefit to doing a quiet time. If you did it as a duty, because the church told you to do it, that's what good Christians do, then it's just a duty and it will wear you out. But when it comes from the hunger of the heart that God puts in you, then you will go to that place. He'll draw you to it. I remember when I first discovered grace, I, I stopped everything. I stopped my Bible reading. I stopped my prayer time. And I thought, oh, yeah, I could give all that up now. Because you know, I don't have to do it anymore. Which is a nice knee-jerk reaction from legalism. But I didn't stay there. You can have your little pendulum swing. It's fine. But the Holy Spirit will bring you back. And say, now we do it for the right reason. Now we do it for intimacy. So we get to know each other better. So you can actually trust me. So that when the dung hits the fan, 
You are ready to trust me. And it becomes a new automatic response instead of the natural human one is fear. Immediately fear-based. Train up. Grow up. That's what we're called to do. Believe he's with you wherever you go. Haven't I commanded you? Strength, courage, don't be timid, don't get discouraged. God, your God is with you every step that you take. That's from the message, same verse. So what's going on? Potentially, what could be going on when God seems to mess up your plans? May I suggest he's trying to get your attention. When you least expect it. See, I can always trust in Kevin to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> He's trying to get our attention. Why? Because maybe we're so distracted with life or our problem, the crises, the blind side, whatever's just been messed up becomes our new focus and our attention is given to that fully. Maybe. Sometimes I have found God encourage me just driving out of Elmira. Suddenly, boom, a beautiful morning sun just hitting me, just perfect. It's, like, it's a new habit. Good morning, Lord. That's what's ha- It's weird, but neat for me because in my heart, it's like God saying good morning to me. I just say good morning back. Just my little thing. And once in a while, I get to that bridge over the Conestoga River, and some mornings there's a fog that's just perfect. And it's like, God, you are so good at this. And I need the time to be reminded, to be recalibrated into this life is spiritual, not physical. But he uses his language of love in the physical all around us. There is constant encouragement. Are you looking for it? Again, I am preaching to myself. I have not arrived at this. It's harder when crises hits, when tensions are high. There are too many things to think about. It's tough. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Yep, Old Testament. God saying, I wish they would just listen. And that's Old Covenant. They didn't have a Bible. They had a voice of a prophet, a leader. You and I have a, a written word of God. That's nice. But you also have the internal living Christ whom you are one with. Your union with Christ is so much better than them. They didn't have a union with Christ. They didn't have the benefit. You do. Oh, that they would listen to me. Oh, that we in the West would listen to him speaking to us. And he is always speaking to us. Not sermons. Usually words of love and affirmation, reminding you, trying to convict you, convince you of your rightness with him. That's what he does. Holy Spirit convicts us of our righteousness. It's beautiful. From a wise mind comes wise speech. Hmm, pause. Think about that. 
wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. This is scary. When you try to rely on your own wisdom and being so smart and a control freak, there are things that do lead to death. There are. There are choices. Yes, you're covered by grace. Yes, you're forgiven. But you can still make really stupid mistakes that lead to terrible consequences. And none of them surprise God. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Next. Peter. Hmm. Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter thought he would never, ever turn away from his Lord Jesus. This is the one who saw miracles, who heard the voice, who probably wrestled with Jesus, smelled him, rubbed up against the sweat of Jesus. He knew Jesus well. I will not deny my Lord. He planned. Well, those plans changed when crises hit, blindsided. And he did. He denied him three times. And still there was grace for him. While he said, no, I don't know you, I don't know him three times, it was later Jesus came up to him and said, Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Of course I love you. That should have been enough, right? Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Of course. Who doesn't ask again? Peter, do you love me? Yes! Then feed my sheep. When we know we are loved, our new natural response is serve. It is to do something. In the grace circles that I've been a part of, it is the exact opposite. Stop doing. And they... They champion the stopping and herald it, and that's their banner flag of stop, stop, stop. That's a pendulum swing. Grow up. There's much to do because the love of Christ compels us to love others. And in that, we do. We serve one another. We give. All the expressions of who we have been uniquely made in Christ need to come out. Christ is in you and he wants out. Each of you have gifts. I'm aware of many of them, but there's a lot I'm not aware of. This church is filled with a tremendous storehouse of talent and gifts. Love to see it come out more fully so that the greater fullness of Christ comes out in expression. It's all there, but to see it come out in a greater fullness is what we're after. We're not trying to create something. We're trying to see what is already there come out into action. That's what the grace life is all about. And expressing the love of Christ, we actually believe. Knowing we're secure in our identity in Christ. Now many don't know their identity in Christ and need to stay in that place of growing. Give them room and don't judge them. Don't judge them for all the stopping that has to happen, which is part of the journey. 
Only God can pull them out of the stopping. But if you're going to brag about the stopping, I'll be on your case. <laughs> help you encourage you. Because that's my job as a pastor, is to help guide and direct the sheep, the church, build and equip it to do the work it's been called to do. That's my job. The disciples' plans changed. They thought they were going to get a kick-butt king. That's what they thought. They thought this Savior was going to come and deliver them from the Romans. Oh yeah, bring it on, I'm, sign me up. Plans changed. God messed up their plan. That's why, they, that's why Peter said, this shall not happen to you as Jesus was telling them, I've got to die, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die. No, that's not how we planned it. It's exactly what happened. Jesus had a different plan than what they thought was the plan. That doesn't happen to any of us, eh? Anyone who intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? Wow. This is good news. The idea is not to build yourself up and make yourself popular and get yourself a name. Only Christ can build whatever he chooses to build. I see a lot of ministry guys trying so hard to create a ministry or a business. I've even been tempted into it. Oh, I'm going to build Hope Fellowship. I'm going to build Grace Walk. Oh, yeah. And there's been moments over the years where I've tried and backfire. And God just says, it's not yours. It's not your church. It's mine. Relax. I'm in charge of it. Whether it grows or dies, chill out and just do your job. Fine. <laughs> but he does it gently. Very gently. With much grace and gentleness. Following Jesus requires a change and flexibility in my plans. A relinquishing of my rights recognizing I cannot see all things clearly and therefore I need to give up on insisting on my way. I do this by yielding, surrendering, and trusting my life and plans to Jesus. This rights business, relinquishing of my rights, is the exact opposite of our culture. Our Western world is built on our personal rights. I have a right to this, a right to that. And we bring it right into the church. I have a right to this. I want my say. You can't tell me what to do. Oh, I've heard that many times. I don't want to be told what to do. Folks, one who grows in grace submits themselves one to another. There may be a telling what to do. Maybe you got some growing up to do. Maybe you're not as mature as you thought. Oh, maybe I touched a, a nerve, maybe, that needs a little bit of gentleness to help you see that is not fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is to submit one to another and listen. Listen to your leaders. 
It's big. Gentleness. While my salvation is secure through Jesus, the struggle to live from the truth that Jesus is already Lord is a constant battle. I used to say you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. (laughs) How the heck can you make Jesus Lord of your life? We don't make him Lord. He already is Lord. Which means it's a recognizing of his lordship. The existing lordship. Do you see the difference? Because if you have to make Jesus Lord, then you're going to have to have some list to prove it. Well, by reading my Bible more, by going to church, by giving, by serving, by evangelizing. They're, they're now making Jesus Lord. No. All that stuff's nice, but that is the fruit of living in Christ and knowing you're loved and forgiven. Those things are good. It's important to do those things. But we don't do them to become. We do them because we already are and we want to see the maturity of Christ come out of us. He is the one who is already at work in us and around us. All I need to do is listen daily and respond to his prompting with joyful obedience. We've talked about joyful obedience here a couple weeks ago. Number two. He may have a different plan than you thought. He may have had a, a whole different direction or you, you were heading for that and it was your, his plan is just off, but you're trying, you're trying to push that steering wheel. No! You never know. Let's, let's take a look at this. Oh, we know this one. I know what I am planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. That's one of the beauties of this church. Hope. We underestimate what hope is. We have our hope in Jesus. He is the source of our hope. He's also the source of our joy. And he's the one we run to. Things get scary. Only to find he's already in us. (laughs) My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And this is in the Old Covenant. Are you going to let God dream his dreams through you? Or are you going to limit yourself to your own human dreams? Figuring it all out on paper, which is helpful, but you have to have an open hand to this. What most people do, they take it, there, this is my goal, my dream, this is what I'm going for, and you tell everybody, this is what it is, boom, 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 boom. Open hand, so that your Heavenly Father can adjust, take it totally out, put something else in, whatever He chooses, up to, open hand, trust, dependence on this Jesus who you say you believe in. We're in the journey of learning to trust Him moment by moment, instant by instant. Again, speaking to myself here. Remember, I don't do fake. What God's will might look like. Let's say you're here. Okay? Just to give you a picture of how God can redirect us. That's where He wants you. But you don't know that. All right? Instead, that's where you want to go. Ha! So off you go. 
And he, he lets you have your, your way, no problem. Remember, he's in charge of the redirect. Well, then, boom, another cool opportunity comes up. Ooh, that's amazing. Cool, I'll take that. Oh, that's, uh, okay, time's up. Suddenly, boom, another thing happens. Maybe a crisis, job loss. You don't know. You're suddenly down there. Oh, my goodness, another crisis happens. And look what happens. Ta-da! Your timing and his timing is completely different. Completely different. This is just an idea, a concept. It should make sense to you. He got you there. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him. But he knows, listen to this, this is really important. He knows where you are individually at in your trustometer. Okay? He knows the hang ups you have, He knows your insecurities. He knows the intent of your heart. I sometimes pray to God, God, you know my intentions are good. Help. He knows the fears you have. He can override all that, but he allows us to walk through things so we can trust him. God is is the God of outcomes. Nothing surprises him. He doesn't have almost swallow his gum when he I did not see that coming. Angels, did you see that coming? Because I never got the memo. No. Nothing surprises him. Nothing ever occurs to God. Think about that. Listen to this, Philippians 2. Sleep, sit on your butt to show the results of your salvation. Is that what it says? No. Heckling crowd. (laughs) Work hard. Don't be lazy. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, not to get salvation. We don't work for our salvation. Show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Listen, this is the best part. For God is working in you. Here's the best, best part. Giving you the desire. Oh, more, more best. And the power to do what pleases Him. It's all up to Him. He's giving you the ideas. He's giving you the power to go. And when you're in a place of, uh, plans just got messed up, what do I do? What do you do? Stop. Stop. Now, this is not going to be comfortable for some of you. But what happens if he doesn't give you an answer on one of the two choices or three choices? What do you do? I mean, give you the answer. Choose one. Just Choose one. Trust your Heavenly Father thinking His thoughts through you. Trust Him. This is not easy. It's a very, very vulnerable place to be. But it's a good place to be.
in hindsight, 2020. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Trust God. Trust him as the God of outcomes. And the outcome you are experiencing right now with the crisis you're in is not the outcome. It's part of the journey. You're not there yet. Quit being so short-sighted. You're young, even if you're 80. You're young. And if you're young, you're young. What? What was that elbowing over there? Wow. Feel the love. Maggie, I never thought you were like that. Saint Maggie? Hmm. Well, let's take a look at some stories for just a moment of lives that were changed when they got blindsided, when God messed up their plans. Joseph was being proud and enjoying the gift from his father, which we tend to do. If we get a great gift, we want to show it off. Woohoo, this is a great gift. You know, get a new set of golf clubs, you got to show it off to your buddies at golf because woo, ah, wee, it's fun. <coughs> he gets this cool coat of many colors and shows it off to his brothers who are already jealous. They set up a plan to get rid of him, kill him. First plan. Oldest brother sees, ooh, let's do something different. Let's sell him off instead. So he, he, end up, he ends up getting sold as a slave. So first he gets thrown in a pit, ready to be killed. Then he gets, I think he was squirming at that point. Then he gets sold as a slave. And yet there are all of his brothers going, bye, hope you never see you again. Ooh, we're rich. Then he gets sold in Egypt to Potiphar's house. Another change. Serves well. God blesses him. Then his, the guy's wife hits on him. She sets him up. He goes to jail. How long was he in jail? A couple of years. This sucks so far. Okay. And then he meets a baker and a butler who have dreams. They get out. One not so lucky, but they both get out as a result of the dream. The, prophet, the baker was told, you will die in three days. The cupbearer, you will in three days be released and live. And it happened. By the way, the story of communion is in there. Jesus and the bread and the wine. It's powerful. We've talked about it a couple times here. Then he tells the cupbearer, please remember me. I will, no problem, and totally forgets. <laughs> Years later, the king has a dream. So Joseph is in jail for a long time. Do you think he's second-guessing stuff? Probably. This is not what I call the blessed life. <laughs> Do not judge your circumstances by what's going on in God's heart. He's then raised out of the jail to speak the revelation of the dream to the king and is made second in command of all of Egypt. Oh my goodness. Big change. Later when his brothers caught up and were the whole story of him trying to figure them out and, you know, payback and all that, here's what he says. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? 
you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people for such a time as this. And there are a number of stories like that. Your story is not done. And even once your earth suit gives out, listen, and you're in a casket or cremated, however you end up going, because you're going. So you know, nobody gets out alive. Your story is still not done. Your story is still not done. I know the impact of individuals from years ago that are now dead, how they've impacted my life and how they're impacting still other people's lives. It's not done. God knows what he's doing. Baker and the bear, cup bear, Abraham and Sarah. Oh, that one's a sad one. They wanted a kid so bad. Even Sarah told Abraham to sleep with the handmaiden. Like, who does that? To help God out. Well, you know, that worked out. Not good. Until she was way, way beyond child years. Then she did have a child. For the purpose of what God had planned. Would they have chose door number A like that? Had they seen it? No. They wanted door number B. Lots of kids. That was not the lot. Mary and Joseph. Another story. Hebrews says this. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken us taking up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. Any time we have need, we can call out to Jesus who hears us at all times. And even when our hearts can't scream out a prayer because we're choking up and crying, not a single word can come out, the tears become a language to the angels of the Holy Spirit to translate a prayer back to God. He hears the groaning and murmurs of whatever's going on, and he translates that. Whatever it is, he knows your heart. He hears it. You're not alone. He's already sent the answer to you. Be patient. His timing, not yours. And we're not used to that in the Western culture. There are times we feel we need him. I want to play this next video because I think it'll... It's a song most of you know. It's an old traditional one. But the words could speak deep into your heart. Lights out. sent his son they called him Jesus he came to
into the darkness. We may be walking through darkness. The light is shining through it. It is there. It is present. And if you don't recognize it, it's just greater darkness to you. But if your eyes are open and see the light shining in your darkness, you will find hope. You'll find security. You may not be able to figure all the stuff out in life, but you might come to a place and just stop and say, all I know is Jesus. A friend of mine a couple years ago went through hell. Lost so much. Went through so much pain. Family torn apart. Like you would not believe. And I got to hear every day the pain, the tears, the weeping. He told me that he gave up on, on God in one sense. He said, I don't believe in any of this anymore. And then he went, well, wait. Jesus, that's it. That's Oh, that's it. That's all I believe right now. And I gotta, I gotta rethink this whole thing through. Who is this Jesus? Oh, do you think Jesus showed up over the years? He sure did. The journey ain't over. You're not done. Get up. Thank your God. If it requires going, having quiet time, go do it. If it requires a walk, go do it. If it requires a drive, however you're wired, do it. Find that time. May God remind you of his presence in you today. Will you please bow your heads in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, you've not told us to avoid suffering. You've told us to embrace it. That doesn't mean run towards it. It just means when it comes, we do it with the trust that you're walking through it with us. Help us to find joy in it, hope. When we do, we find you. Today I pray that your peace will transcend everybody here in a powerful way through whatever they're going through. For families that are going through stuff, extend out to them May your peace be so real, they feel it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.